Welcome to On the Spot with Melinda Garvey, the On the Dot interview series where we sit down with some of the most intriguing and interesting women to watch featured in our daily email newsletter and podcast, Four Minutes with On the Dot. Make sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss a single episode of On the Spot, now available every Thursday on your favorite podcast streaming services. This week, I sit down with Gail Davis, founder of GDA Speakers. Without further ado, let's start the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's edition of On the Spot. I'm your host, Melinda Garvey. Super excited to have you here. On the Dot, of course, is all about providing relatable role models and bringing incredible women right to you, telling their stories so that you too can see your path to success. And today, I am super excited to welcome a fellow Texan, Gail Davis, who is the founder and CEO of GDA Speakers. It's one of the premier speaker bureaus in the country, and she manages some of the most incredible speakers and has a really, really cool company that she's built over the last 20 years. So Gail, thank you so much for being on the show. We're excited to have you. Thank you, Melinda. Thank you. Well, I always like to, as we start, kind of go way back because I think that sometimes, you know, we feel like we've got to have it all figured out when we're young, right? Especially in this day and age, there's so much pressure. So I want you to go way back, either early in your career, as you're growing up, just what did you think you wanted to be when you grow up? What path were you on? It's funny because I have an early memory of being about four years old and there was a television show called Annie Oakley. I don't know if you're familiar with it. I am. (laughs) Fabulous cowgirl, you know, that just, oh, she, she had it all going on. And I used to dress up in a cowgirl outfit, sit at a card table with a little play red phone and watch that show. And I just, oh my gosh, I so desired that somehow my phone would ring and it would be Annie Oakley who would invite me to hop into the TV and join her. So I was very, very drawn to these women, you know, that, that just had a mission and I wanted to go on that with her. Later, I think it morphed to being really influenced by Barbara Walters. And I went to college thinking maybe I was going to be the next Barbara Walters. So I don't know. There's something about, you know, it's funny. You and I were talking about lack of women role models. So my role models were both in the television. I never thought about that until just now. But they fired me to think, you know, there's something out there where I can make an influence. To me, both Annie Oakley and Barbara Walters were in the spotlight. And ironically, what I do today is put people in the spotlight. So maybe there was some uh, foreshadowing there. Yes, that's awesome. When I was reading about just how your company got started, I think this happens for so many of us. Something pivotal happened and you were actually an event planner, right? For another company and you were finding speakers and everything. So I'd love for you to just sort of talk about that and then how it made you decide to launch your own company and how you made that different. My favorite story ever. So I would love to talk about it. I had a fantastic 20 year career at EDS. EDS doesn't exist today, but for people of a certain age range, they might remember that it was the IT, information technology company, that was founded by Ross Perot. Okay, yep. Oh my gosh, I learned so much there, but you want to talk about not having female role models. I mean, that was a very male-dominated senior leadership. I mean, there were a few women there, but that's just where I cut my teeth on corporate America, which has been instrumental for me in turning this journey into a 20-year career as well. 
While I was at EDS, I did manage the corporate incentive event program. It was called Inner Circle. And a lot of large companies have sales incentive trips, whether it's the President's Club or the Golden Circle, but it's something that salespeople qualify for and win a trip. And often they have speakers. So the chairman of the company issued me a challenge saying, I want someone who's new and different. I want someone that everyone would want to hear, but no one's heard. And I would like someone that's very global in their appeal because we were an international company. At the time, you know, many of the keynote speakers out on the circuit were white males from the United States. So completely unrelated, I rented the movie Alive about the 1972 plane crash in the Andes Mountains. And um, the person I was watching it with said, what about this guy is your speaker. And initially, I wasn't sure it was such a great idea. But by the end of the movie, I thought it was such a good idea. It was my own. Well, the funny thing about this happening in 1994 is there was no Google. You had to go to speakers bureaus to even explore the possibility. And I went to about 10 different bureaus. And I just heard a variety of reasons why it was a bad idea from he doesn't speak English, he doesn't exist, you know, just because they write a book about someone doesn't make him a good speaker, just because someone's been portrayed by Ethan Hawke in a movie, that doesn't make him a good speaker. All valid points, but I had seen the guy interviewed. His name is Nando Parado, and I knew I had to find him. And it is just a crazy story with so many twists and turns and so many obstacles. I ended up going through the Uruguayan embassy to get a phone number. I had to call Uruguay, speak Spanish. It was the wrong phone number. I got another phone number. I mean, it goes all around. And when I finally reached out to him, he said, oh, you sound so nice. And thank you for calling, but I have no desire to be a speaker. But I didn't give up there either. And I ended up sending him the book on Wings of Eagles that Ken Follett wrote about Ross Perot's rescue of our employees in Tehran. That spoke to Nando, and he began to consider it. Lots of things happened, but in the end, he said yes. And so he came to Maui and spoke for about 700 people in February of 1995, and it was off the charts. I mean, you could hear a pin drop. And the chairman of the company came over, and he put his arm around me, and he goes, you know what, kid? You should retire. And I was like, retire? He goes, I don't know how you'll ever outdo this. So maybe he planted an idea for me. And um, I went to Uruguay about two weeks later and visited Nando. And I planted the idea with him. And he said, oh, I can't imagine like being on the circuit. I don't want my picture on a billboard. I don't want you know, my picture in a shiny brochure. But for you, I might do it four or five times a year. Anyway, one thing leads to another. I quit my 20-year corporate job. I cannot even believe I did this and started my own company. It started out out of my house. And I think the first year I booked one contract and then it just morphed. And, you know, today we have a big office over in Dallas and we have over 10 employees and, you know, book lots and lots of speakers all over the globe. So that's how it got started. And Nando remains our most booked speaker. He remains a dear friend. And I love our story and I, I love how our relationship has developed over the years. And I love all the lives that we've impacted. It really means a lot. It's a super powerful story. Absolutely. That's awesome. You kind of talk about that you want it to be more than just the speaker. I know that that kind of that seed was planted by your boss. It's like, okay, I don't want one of these Olympians. I mean, they're fine, 
But and so how do you sort of create that experience? Because I know that's part of your secret sauce, your superpower is actually creating experiences, even when you may not know the name of somebody. Yeah. Well, I think it's not exciting to me to take an order. I mean, sure, I will. I mean, if someone calls me up and says, hey, I want to Joe Blow as a speaker and they're available. Sure, we can book that. But I don't get excited about that. What I get excited about is really listening. Why are you having this meeting? What is your theme? How do you want people to feel when they leave? And then what I like to do is leverage two things. One, our experience with the speaker. So once I truly understand what they're trying to accomplish, I can say, have you considered Andy Fastow, the former CFO of Enron? And I can say, I used him in a similar situation once, and here is you know, how it turned out, and here's what you could expect. So I leverage my knowledge about the speaker and I leverage my knowledge about similar clients. Because after you do this for 20 years, you start to see patterns. You know, I have one company in Silicon Valley and I have another company in Boston. And I tell you, if the one from Boston calls and says, I'm looking for ABC, that afternoon, the one from Silicon Valley will call and say, I'm looking for ABC. I don't know if they're drinking the same Kool-Aid in the morning or what it is, but they're always on the same path. And so I talk to them about each other all the time. And fortunately, this summer... When we celebrate our 20th anniversary, I think finally I'm going to get both of these clients in the same room because you start to see those patterns. So what I like to say is anybody can book a speaker. We create an experience. And so one of the things we've done on our client portal is we put a lot of extra information for our clients. So maybe, you know, particularly in the world of YPO, the Young Presidents Organization, we save all of our digital invitations that we get. So one chapter can look over here at what another chapter did. Again, it's not just taking the order, but it's saying, hey, look at this, consider this. It just helps create a more unique experience. Right. And I think that collaborative approach is exactly what women are so good at, right? And I just hate bringing it into anything. And I think that you've just shown that it doesn't matter what your business is, using that collaborative approach, you know, can really take things to the next level, which is awesome. Your speaker roster, I know you've done this for so long and you've met incredible people. And I think that we have that in common is with what I've done with the magazine and now with On the Dot, I, I get to meet people all the time and it is so inspirational to me. I mean, I love it. I'm always like, oh my gosh, mind blowing. Like who knew this person, which is so great. But I also, sometimes I'm so like, oh my God, I've done nothing. You know, how do you say confident and inspired when sometimes don't you feel like, you know, an inch tall? Cause you're like, okay, I've done nothing really. Sometimes I look to people and I go, I have a newsletter. Okay. <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. And it's funny because I've always been really proud and stayed really grounded, like with my hometown. You know, I've never forgotten the fact that I grew up in a town that I don't even think we had a corporation. I'm not sure I knew what the initial CEO stood for until I went to work for EDS. So the fact that, you know, I'm super comfortable with where I come from, and I think that grounding plays into it. But what I've really experienced personally and you're right, I've been fortunate to meet some really incredible people. They're people, and a lot of them, I mean, Oprah's one of my favorite people I had a chance to meet, but you talk about knowing where she came from. Yes, she's experienced incredible success, but she spoke at a fundraiser um, in Plano last year, and it was to raise money to feed people that need food. And when she personally talked about, I know what it's like to be hungry, I remember once where all I had was cereal with grape Kool-Aid on it. I mean, that's, that's just an example of what I've experienced when I've met people that seem larger than life. 
they're people. And what makes them good speakers is that they're relatable. And they figured out how to take their experience and relate to others. So it's been a rewarding journey for me and a pleasant journey. I have not been disappointed with many people that I've met. Sometimes the experience leading up to actually meeting someone in person, especially if they're a very, very high profile person, sometimes experience with their office can be a little off-putting, but I've learned to appreciate it because these people are super busy. They have a ton of requests and, you know, they've had to put people in place to prevent them being taken advantage of. But almost always when you actually meet the person on site, um, you know, the charm and the ability to relate has probably been a huge factor in their success because more often than not, that, that's what I run across. I can say the same is that, you know, it would kind of chuckle. People always ask me, who's your favorite cover woman or who's your favorite person you've ever featured? I mean, it's impossible to pick that. Look, there's always going to be some that you're like, okay, not so much. It's a blip to just all the incredible people out there. And that's a powerful message because I think that we have so much social media and we see all this funds up and then they're on the stage and and we feel like we are not even close to them. And, And very likely we've had a lot of experiences much like what they've had. So right. It's awesome. We're all people. Well, I'm interested in just something that you talked about and something I read when you feel the most powerful and you talked about being intentional. And I think that that is a really, really important topic in this day and age when we're so connected, but it's made us disconnected in a way, (laughs) I think, because we're trying to go so many different directions. So I'd love just for you to talk about, you know, how you stay intentional and what kinds of tips and tricks you use. You know, being an entrepreneur, you're often very much in a reacting mode. Mm -hmm. And I spent so many years reacting Mm -hmm. and so many years fueled by this sense of urgency. And I was starting to make myself somewhat crazy because you can't be urgent all the time, you know, and, and reacting is such a not my best self. When I'm in my reacting mode, that is just not my best self. I think I was pretty much on the verge of complete and total burnout about three years ago. And I know you're, as you said, down the street in Austin and business coach was recommended to me from Austin. And so our work is done over the phone and we are now in our third year of working together. And I can't tell you one specific moment, but I know that she has helped me so much from a business standpoint and planning, you know, one of the things we did, and this was painful, but it was so fabulous, is we went three years out and we created an org chart. If my company was X size, what would it look like? And no names. She said, I don't want any names on it. I want a vision. So if we were going to get there, what would it look like two years from now? We did the same thing. And then, okay, if that was going to look like that, what do we need to do next year? So this started this process, whether it's business org chart planning or it's preparing for my youngest son's wedding, it started this process of, okay, I'm going to create a vision and then I'm going to step back and I'm going to say, what do I need to do to get into that vision? I feel like I've I've experienced a complete and total personal transformation. I really am intentional and, you know, this whole FOMO thing, I don't know if you've seen the memes on JOMO, the joy of missing out. (laughs) I love that. Being intentional about what I'm trying to create, sometimes it means I can't do certain things. 
because I'll get myself back in that mode of way too much on my plate and now I'm reacting. And I think at this stage in the game, I deserve to be living my vision and not reacting to other people's demands. So it's a shift. I had to work hard on it, but it's a nice way to live. So I think when you hear me say intentional, that's what I'm talking about. It goes all the way to a morning practice for me. You know, I have a routine that I do every single morning. I write down 10 things that I'm grateful for from the day before. I look at what I've got going on and I really have made massive strides and not overscheduling. Again, that entrepreneur thing inside of me in the beginning thought, well, you know, if I can have four meetings today, I could have 10. Wouldn't that be better? No. And I've had to enlist support. I have a virtual assistant. And I'm like, save me for myself. Do not let me overschedule myself. So I, I don't know if that's what you were looking for. It's fabulous advice. And I love that, you know, setting the vision and living that vision, because I do think that you're right. We tend to live almost everybody else's, their needs and what they want and that reactionary thing, which, which is hard. It doesn't create, you know, a really fulfilled feeling either. In the beginning, I mean, let's be real. When you're starting out and you're trying to make it, kind of have to live in that world for a while. Then, you, you know, you can start to change well, and let's talk about staff and employees. I mean, you know, it's kind of the nuts and bolts of, of running a business and certainly being able to grow and scale a business and, and being able to execute this vision. I love that you talked about these org charts that you had to put mm -hmm. forth because that made you think about and, and, you know, letting go and giving up. So I would just love for you to just talk about sort of your team and how you motivate them and how you get them to sort of see and execute your vision and work to their full potential. Well, having the strategic org charts was a game changer, particularly the ones that had no names. Because mm -hmm. what my business coach explained to me is when you present these, you want your team sitting around the table. And, you know, Susie Q may currently be in sales support, but when she hears the vision of that marketing manager in three years, maybe I don't even know it. But maybe that's really where she'd like to go. And my business coach has helped me understand that when you have a culture that's focused on growth and development, then your employees see themselves in the future. But particularly in a small business, we're just reacting and dealing with, you know, crisis du jour. Then they think, this is the way it's going to be forever. Versus that look out there that, hey, we actually know where we're headed. So, you know, I'm going to be completely humble and tell you that in this phases where we were growing rapidly and I was in my reactionary mode, I'm not sure those were my best days of being a great leader. And I think I have transformed in the last three years. I've realized that as you scale, you know, you can run through different teams, but if you're going to truly be world-class and go to the next level, you've got to build a team that's solid, that sticks with you, and that's happy. And I've learned a lot in the last three years, and I've worked a lot on culture. I used to kind of ignore that a little bit because I just thought it was such a buzzword, you know, oh, this culture and that culture, but you really have to figure out what your culture is. And this past year, my team helped me work together. You know, everybody's got a mission statement, everybody's got a vision statement, but we really tore ours apart. And then we went to the next level, which was what are our practiced values? And I mean, one of our practice values is to say please and thank you. That's kind of embarrassing to have to put on paper, but it's a response to that frantic mode that we were in for so long that we had to be reminded like, come on, you know, 
please, thank you. Ask for other people's time. And these are so basic and they're so fundamental and theoretically, I guess you learned a lot of it in kindergarten, but we had gotten too frantic and we'd moved away from that. So now I think we, you know, are tapped into that culture. We're tapped into the growth and development of individual employees. And one thing that I've really developed an appreciation for is the word talent. And I heard a great definition, which was when you hire talent, they leave the position better than when they found it. And that's really been a game changer for me. And I'm actually not afraid to pay for talent now. Again, when you're first getting started, you don't know if you're going to close a deal. You're trying to manage your expenses. You don't know what your income is going to be. It's scary to jump out there and go, I'm going to pay top dollar for this talent. But with 20 years history, certain predictability on revenue, certain predictability on growth, it's easier for me to go, no, that person is asking for this. This person is really talented and they're going to need a little bit more. And I'm willing to pay a little bit more because I'm looking for talent because I've never had any funding. I've bootstrapped the whole thing. I've never gone out for investors. And now to feel like I have that flexibility, I think every time we add someone to the team, every person's better than the one before, which is really fantastic. That's great advice. Thank you. Uh, you know, as we're kind of closing up, is there, you know, something that you've heard over the years or you always practice or sort of a best piece of advice that you always live by or give? What would that be? One of the things I told my sons when I was raising them and something that I tell my employees is just avoid absolutes. I try not to hear the words never. That just creates more of a world of possibilities if you avoid that. And I think it also, it's good advice, like, you know, the Oprah example. She gets offered so many speaking engagements, and it would be very easy for someone in my world to say, Oprah never accepts a speaking engagement. But you can't say that because you don't know when the one offer is going to come to her that speaks to her, which we did not book, by the way. Someone went after her 10 years in a row, and that person never gave up. And then finally, Oprah said yes. So I think from a business standpoint, it's just great advice. Just don't say never. You can say typically, don't say never and don't say always. But also personally, it allows you to live with more of an open heart. The way you see other people when they're having a bad day, the way you see your employees, it's more of a mindset. So that would be something that I've really, I've always said, but I think I've tapped into on a deeper level lately. I love that. Avoid absolutes. Great, great advice. What's next for the Speaker Bureau? What's next for Gail Davis? As you can see, I do things for 20 years. So <laughs> I, <laughs> I worked at EDS for 20 years. I've had GDA for 20 years. I developed some really cool software that really supports our industry. And it just keeps getting better and better. And I really am interested in exploring how I can take that platform and monetize it and maybe create a separate company that provides just some really incredible support to my colleagues in this industry. Ironically, we rarely refer to each other as competitors. It's a very collaborative, very collegial industry. And I think what I've developed might be something that my colleagues might be interested in. I think it might be a new venture for me on the horizon in 2020. That's very exciting. Well, we will be watching and, you know, hope that you keep us up to date on everything you're doing. 
we so appreciate your time and you just sharing so openly about your journey and your experience. And I know that you're going to do great things. So tell people where they can find you if they're interested in booking speakers or checking you guys out. Perfect. We're right here in the heart of Dallas, Texas, and our website is GDA, as in Gail Davidson Associates, GDAspeakers.com. Okay, awesome. Well, thank you so much. Appreciate your time, and we look forward to seeing what you do next. Thank you so much, Melinda. It was enjoyable. Looking for more inspiration, advice, and direction? Subscribe to our free daily email newsletter and podcast, Four Minutes with On The Dot where we provide you with the tools and motivation you need to get out there and be the badass you are meant to be. Tune in next week, where I sit down with Eileen Doker, founder of Turquoise Life. We're focused on your success. So let us know what you think by chatting with us at On The Dot Woman on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We'd love to hear your voice.